We had a wonderful family vacation up to and including the point where the pilot didn't show up and the kids lost their connectors and Maddie didn't make it to her class and all that stuff, but yet God covered it. And while I was in prayer, by the way, thank you for praying for us on our little break we had. It was really sweet together. And uh, I was reading my Bible and I read Psalm 11 verse 3 and it sparked for this service. And I want you to turn to Psalm 11 verse 3. I'm teaching a foundation series. By the way, did you appreciate my friends Pastor Bill Shearer and Ernie Conwell? Well, I got a text last night from Paul Clark and He's in his 50th anniversary of his album that came out in the groundbreaking Jesus Movement days. And he told me he arranged with his friend Phil Kage to have a celebration. And they're available for a Friday night in May here at St. Louis Family Church. And if you don't know who Paul Clark and Phil Kage are, they're just outstanding men of God, great musicians, minstrels, guitarists, songwriters, but really devoted men of God and, uh, you know, rock solid. Uh, pioneers through the Jesus movement, and I think it's kind of epic that they want to come and play here on a Friday night, so it's, uh, they, they basically uh, help pioneer the, the worship that we take for granted today, the more expressive, uh, connecting uh, Bible songs that we sing the way we sing them, so, you know, how, how do you go for 50 years? You, you have to have a firm foundation. And uh, it says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. And in Ephesians 6, it says, Having done all to stand, we stand. And uh, Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain, I think, of the Senate back years and years ago, said if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. So it's imperative that we, uh, like Addison said, Keep going back to the book and going back to the throne, going back to the cross, going back to Jesus, and um, letting him reiterate to us the basics, the essentials. Um, Psalm 11, verse 3 says it this way. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Agitators like the devil in Genesis 3, who come to steal, kill, destroy. The devil, Satan, is a diminishing being. He comes to subtract. Our God is all about multiplication. He came to give abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when the devil or people who align with the devil get a strategy on how to undermine and destroy, they take uh, an attack on the foundational things. Say history revision, for example. Um, you go back to the origin and lie about it and destroy it and replace it and substitute it with lies and corrupt things. That's what Lucifer did in Genesis chapter 3. So let's go look at that for a moment. This is the why of why I've been preaching week in, week out on Sundays on the foundational things. Please bear with me if you've been a believer for a while um, because I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to be hearing a lot of things that you already know. But that's actually the mother of education is repetition. And uh, that's how um, Phil Kage and Paul Clark 
are so good on the guitar because they practice all the time. When Chuck Berry had his birthday party, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll at the Fox Theater, we had a girl in our church who was involved with the sound at the Fox Theater. She got saved when she was a teenager. Her name was Kathy. She's now working in the entertainment profession in that role. She worked in our sound booth, and she went on, and uh, she said she saw Eric Clapton at that show. He was one of the players there with Keith Richard, and um, Johnny Johnson was on the piano and so forth. Etta James sang a blues song. It was a pretty amazing concert. I didn't get to go, but I saw the film. But Kathy saw Eric Clapton walk up and down the aisles of the Fox Theater with his good old trusty Stratocaster unplugged, practicing his riffs for hours and hours and hours so that when he did get his little moments, he shined. So I'm preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for your enrichment, for your advancement, but more specifically for your equipment. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the five ascension gifts of the ministry, are there implementing the equipping of the saints for the works of service for the building up of the body of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Look at the next verse, 17. So that the man, and I say woman or child of God, may be adequate, say adequate, equipped, say equipped. How about sufficient, say sufficient, for every good work. I repeat, for every good work. So this echoes what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are God's workmanship. You're created, according to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in God's image for his purposes, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So that what? That God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. So Kathy saw Eric Clapton practicing at the Fox Theater so many years ago at Chuck Berry's party for the Hail, Hail Rock and Roll film. She said, Pastor Jeff, I watched him. He practiced the whole day uh, just in case and for that moment where he would get to play his part. And I want to prophesy to you a spiritual prediction that's actually quite biblical. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God incidences. And I believe those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I believe that when we walk with him and follow after him, he has created us for these good works. And Daniel 11.32 declares that the people that know God will be strong and will do exploits. So they will display strength and they will take action. Let's turn quickly now to uh, Luke chapter 6. I already told you to turn to Genesis 3, so while you're turning to Luke 6, I just want to remind you, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Here's what happened. Adam and Eve were made pure. They were 
They were sinless in that pre-fall moment. Their purity was from God because they were made in God's image. The very substance of their life, it was they were in a shared holiness with the Lord. They were holy, created beings God had created and extended himself and manifested himself and downloaded himself. He breathed into them the breath of life. There was this divine interaction. And the devil came in, and uh, he was the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The servant said to the woman, You surely will not die. Hiss, hiss. Everybody say boo. Put a thumbs down on that one. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So temptation came and Adam and Eve fell. And the collateral damage is they were alienated and separated. Sin came in, brought death. And if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what the devil came to do. He came to destroy the foundations. But I'm going to tell you some foundational things right now. Jesus, according to Isaiah 28, 16, would be called the cornerstone of a foundation. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Can I hear an amen? There's nobody like Jesus. And I want to go to Luke chapter 6 and quote some of his words to the early church, to the disciples and then right into the early church period. In verse 47, chapter 6, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. These are simple steps, but they're powerful. Come to him. No one comes to him unless he draws them, yielding to the drawing power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's my words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God but then acts on them. James does a chapter and a half on being a doer of the word. He says in chapter one, we, we need to not be hearers only, but be doers of the word, right? And take action. So if the Bible says, forgive the pilot who sleeps in, who can't get an Uber or a Lyft, and uh, you know, acts giddy and ignores it and says, hey everybody, and you know, deflects with humor, I'm glad my kids, I wasn't on that flight. I'm glad I wasn't on that flight. Who in, who in here was glad I wasn't on that flight and you weren't on that? Who in here is glad you weren't on that flight? It could have been a different story. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I caught my kids just being a doer of the word of forgiving. And if the Bible says give, we give. I, you know, my wife and I tithe because the Bible says to tithe, you know, I go to church with consistency because the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together, which is the habit of some. It's habit forming. So I'm not going to be missing in action. We say, well, good, pastor, because you're responsible to preach to me. So, okay, yeah, but I went to church last week just and sat in attendance because of that command. I, I don't want to forsake the assembling. And the pastor did a great job. The atmosphere was beautiful. The worship was meaningful. Uh, I got something out of the message. And uh, so, come to God, 
Hear his word, act on them, act on them. I will show you just what that man, woman, or child is all about. He, she, or them, they're like people who build a house and dig deep, laid a foundation on the rock. You might want to underline that or write that down in your notes. Laid a foundation on the rock. When the flood occurred, now you've heard the story, you're in a church, it's very handy that literally we had a flood in this building and the water was over my hand in this building. And that it withstood the flood because it was built on the rock. It's brick all the way around. In the back, it's cinder block. In the interior, under every pillar is a, a concrete column that goes all the way through the topsoil, the silt, the sand, the gravel, the rocks, all the way down to the bedrock. Can I tell you, when Jesus, he said, I'll build my church on the solid rock of the revelation that God gave Peter, and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. The question is asked by the psalmist, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what the devil came to do. He destroyed the foundational truths by lying. And if you study Genesis 3, he twisted things just a little bit and threw Eve off and even even misquoted some things God originally had said. That's what got skewed. That's where the Adam and Eve lost. And that's where you and I can win when we stand firm, go back to the word, recognize that it is trustworthy, it is reliable. I was watching a video of a soul winner, an evangelist, preaching to a lady out on the streets. They videoed it. And she was dismissing the Bible while he was talking to her, not too harshly, but just intellectually. Well, it's like the telephone game. You know, so much has been changed in the Bible through the first original. And he said, you know, actually, I read my Bible every day. And the Hebrew and the Greek, the original languages, God has preserved the Word of God. It is still everything that it originally uh, stated. God has protected it. And that's what Paul told Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. It's reliable. It's the faithful guide for our faith, our conduct, our, our, our trust for eternity. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock, and when a flood occurred and the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. I was concerned when this church flooded in 1993. Who wouldn't be? We had just moved in. We got new carpet. We put up drywall. We beautified the building. We had a, our, our platform over there. The, the altar was over there. There were renters in that last section back there. We had children's church over here. Here in the center, we had room for about 800 chairs. And when we got in the building, I wept, and I apologized to God that my vision was too small. I asked him to forgive me for letting the building be that little. When I knew God had destined us to surge forward in growth, we had about 500 people at the time, and I apologized. I sat in the building, and instead of rejoicing, uh, I was rejoicing, but I was also a bit I, I was aware that I had restricted our potential. Well, things got taken care of with that. 
When the flood hit, David Moore was helping, and he offered the neighbors who had a, uh, like an incentive business. Remember that? They, they had like plaques and uh, uh, sta- um, uh, trophies and things like that uh, for businesses, you know, like when they, for, to encourage their staff with, you know, like uh, gestures of, of, of thanks, you know. It was a, quite a successful company. They said, no, nah, we'll just put the stuff on the top shelf and, uh, you know, because they said it's only going to be a few feet, you know. Well, it ended up going above the shelf, and in one moment, they lost $1 million of their own personal equity. I felt so bad for our neighbors. But for us, it was really a reinforcement that we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We've been the church that had gone to so many different facilities we went to Ivy Chapel, United Church of Christ, the Salvation Army, West Page Corps on Page Boulevard next to Cribs Ford City where nothing is impossible. We went to Craig Road Baptist Church. We went to uh, Marquette uh, Assembly Area we, High School. We went to uh, outside open-air meetings at, at uh, Babbler Park and Places I can't even remember, hotels in Clayton and all around, you know, people say, Pastor, where's the next service? I don't know. You know, it was amazing vagabond period. And we learned as a church body, if you're new here, you're in a church body that has had a heritage and a history of uh, not basing our worth or our identity on our facilities, but on him. Boy, that has been rock solid through the time. It's been rock solid through this pandemic where we had four months without gathering together. Then we gathered together. We pushed, pushed the seats apart. and We're wearing masks and so forth. And yet we've received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Society is fighting over it with itself. The enemy is trying to chip at the foundation, trying to chip at and rearrange and re- uh, 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 revise history. And so we've got to go back to the word of God, don't we? And Jesus said, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. Everybody say, I'm digging deep. Laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. While I was on vacation, my kids were reading different books, and uh, our worship leader, Kingston, was reading G.K. Chesterton's book, Orthodoxy. He showed it to me. Uh, he was sitting on the beach reading it, and he said, hey, this is an interesting book, Dad. I said, oh, yeah, G.K. Chesterton, yeah. He was an apologist from back in the day, and he was addressing the drifting of the times where people, Christianity was hi- becoming a hybrid of itself, and introductions of false things were altering and skewing people's faith. And he was coming back with the basic essential. And his reference was one of those creeds from around 300 AD that the early church fathers uh, pulled together to articulate the essence of the faith. And his thing was the Apostles' Creed. And basically it says, Do you believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of the saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting? Boy, that's strong, isn't it? And that was his point that he wanted to reiterate to his generation back in the 20s, 1920s, the roaring 20s. Now we're in the 20s, and they said it would be roaring. It's kind of been whimpering so far, but not so in the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is as solid now as it's ever been. And any one of you that dig deep and lay a foundation on the rock have that blessed assurance that having done all to stand, you and I will be able to stand. Like Peter, Peter uh, Marshall said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So that's why as a pastor, I'm coming in to teach these things to you because if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Proverbs 22, 28 has always been one of my favorites. Uh, the, there's an exhortation to stay in the parameters of God's original call and purpose. He said, do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. That's, that's literal, that's general, that's specific. You know, basically, in the law, you weren't supposed to move boundary lines. You know, a boundary line was, for, that's their property, and this is your property. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff, and don't trespass, and those kinds of parameters. And the enemy tries to work to blur and dilute and move things and destroy things. And, because, again, the thief comes for three reasons, to steal, kill, destroy. When Lucifer slithered into the garden and started talking to Eve, it was to steal her hope, her vision, her connection with God, to kill her faith, to destroy the dream God had for them. But Jesus, in the fullness of the times, visited planet Earth as a rescuer. Our Redeemer lives. And 2,000 years ago, he came and he conquered sin and he conquered Satan and he conquered the grave and then he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. And he's, he's alive, and he sent the Holy Spirit upon the church. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Come on. Power to be a witness. Power to overcome. Power to follow through on God's call on your life. Power to not just, just kind of get halfway there, but to make it. When I was a young kid... I prayed when I first got saved. I feel like crying because it was not originating in my own brain. I didn't hear it preached. I said, God, keep me all the way to the end and help me never to bring reproach to you. I didn't even know what I was praying. I was a 16-year-old kid. Who puts that in somebody's life? The Holy Spirit helps us. We know not how to pray as we ought. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord said, hey, you need to pray this, buddy. So I did. And longevity became a target for me. Me, an impulsive young kid growing up in Southern California in the drug, sex, and rock and roll era that I was in, just kind of go out and just indulge in, in, in the hedonistic life. And 
Jesus, this anchoring being, starts calling us out of the pit. That's why I want to have Paul Clark and Phil Kage come and celebrate with them. 50 years of serving God and recording, at this point, classic songs and providing some uh, impetus and some, some uh, pioneering of their era. They're pioneers from their era, and they're still at it. Kingston was reading G.K. Chesterton's book on orthodoxy. Steve Kowalik, my son-in-law, was reading Jim Collins' book, From Good to Great. Has anyone ever heard of that book? Business people have read that book. And he talked about it's one thing to entrepreneurial start something, entrepreneurially start something. But he said it, it, it's pretty, it's not as difficult to go from zero to 80% as it is to go from 80% to 100%. I think this might be why the Holy Spirit is having me preach the way I've been preaching the last several months on Sundays to get us to dig deep, to stay on our foundational truth, to not veer to the right or the left. If the devil comes in and says, did God really say? You say, no, you get behind me, Satan, you liar. Get out of my garden. Get out of my mindset. Get off my faith. Get out of my destiny. You have no place in me. I resist you and you must flee. Right? We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Because I'm a believer and I built my life on solid ground. The warning, however, is Jesus said, but the one who is heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built his house on a ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I'm running out of time, but I want to get this into your spirit to stabilize your thinking, to reinforce the value of really what Addison said earlier, just keep pressing on in the foundational thing. This is what Jim Collins basically said in Good to Great. What got you to the 80% will get you to the 100%. You just got to stay with it and um, not try to inject some novel new fad thing. And that's what Chesterton was saying in the Orthodoxy book is we don't need a hybridized Christianity. We don't need some sort of gimmicks or methodology. We just need that basically with the old saints, that old rugged cross, old-time religion, simple essential faith. Can I hear an amen? This is what blew my mind when I got saved. People from the hippie culture who had been exposed to all the Eastern mysticism and religion of the time that the rock and rollers from Britain had brought over to our culture turned away from all of that, and turned to basic, essential Christianity. That's what blew my mind. Because I was actually attracted to something esoteric, something sort of mystical. It appealed to me when I would read about out-of-body experiences and all those kinds of things. That's actually where my head was at as a young teenager. That's what was intriguing and being presented to me by the pop icons of my time. And they were voicing these things, and I was attracted to them. And yet, when I said, God, if you're real, show me, guess what he showed me? He showed me Jesus. He showed me the basic Bible stories. He showed me the truth of creation and Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve's fall and Abraham's obedience and Jesus coming on the scene and dying for sinners. And so I'm surrounded by all these ex-hippies. And then I'm surrounded by all these religious people and indoctrinated in religious culture. And it's like, wow, it was, a, it was a fascinating moment. Fascinating moment. 
to be alive in God and to be saved and to walk with the Lord. But I think this is more fascinating than even that moment because we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And our times are in God's hands and he orders our steps. And all the stuff you've been through, it's your testimony. It's your story. Utilize it. Dust it off and say, this is what God's brought me through. If you've had a testimony, a breakthrough, you could brag on how good God is. If you've failed and God brought you back up, you could brag on how good God is. If you're still at it after a lot of years, you could brag on how good God has been and faithful to bring you through. If you're a brand new person in Jesus, I want to commend you to his grace and tell you to dig deep, lay a foundation on the rock. Having done all to stand, you stand. Loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, that you can go forth and marshal your resources and energies to press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I thought it was something that Chuck Berry was still playing music into his 60s, 70s, 80s. I remember when my wife and I ran into him at the airport, she said, Chuck, Jesus loves you. He just bowed his head like a child. He'd been through a lot of stuff, made a lot of mistakes. You know, one of the kings of rock and roll. But at the end of the day, there's an end of a day. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. A preacher didn't make this up. God said it. It's appointed for a man to die once, and after this comes judgment. So it's imperative that we dig deep, lay a foundation on the rock, and press on. Like what Jim Collins said, go from 80% to the 100%. He says he thinks it's harder to do that last part because you, you, know, you kind of rest on your own laurels or you get overwhelmed or you get satisfied, that kind of thing. So here we are. And I'm teaching this to you, and you're like, I know that, Pastor Jeff. Well, we need to know it more. I think Eric Clapton knew all those blues riffs, didn't he? But he, Kathy Krull told us that he practiced Eric Clapton. Pastor Jeff, Eric Clapton practiced all day, walking up and down the aisles, playing that unplugged guitar all day. Everybody say all day. What are you doing? All day. I'm standing firm all day. I'm loving Jesus all day, I'm smiling at the future. All day, I'm walking by faith. All day, I'm forgiving that pilot who slept in and couldn't get an Uber. All day, I'm generous and I'm giving and I'm being merciful. All day, I'm repenting and staying tender before God. All day, I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. All day, I'm dependent on him and desperately need him. I'm not getting smug. I'm not getting independent. I'm not getting suave. I'm not getting sophisticated. I'm staying on the solid rock. Say that with me. I'm staying on the solid rock. Young kids, a lot of you in here, I honor you. I love your generation. When God called my wife and me to ministry, I knew for sure God called me to your generation before you were even born. My stories about the flood, you weren't even born yet. Everything in my life is culminating now. I'm in that surge in this last season. It's going to be long, by the way. Either, either Jesus is coming back and there's going to be a gathering up, catching up of the church, of a, of a, of a, 
of a, what they call a, a, a rapture. And then there's going to be all kinds of stuff happening on the planet. And then Jesus is coming back. Or I'm going out feet first, biting devils all the way out and passing out tracks feet first. You got to be saved. That'd be effective witness. Some guy, some old craggy guy is talking to you uh, and it goes feet first. I'd get born again over that. Indulge me. I could dream. God created the heavens and the earth, didn't he? He made man in his image, and tragically, we used our free will to fail and sin. But God promised he would send a Savior, and Jesus came right on time. And that if we'll receive him, repent and believe, and follow through to the end. Everybody say, follow through. So James, I'll finish with James. I'm almost out of time. But it says here, in verse 19 of chapter 1, it says, This you know, my beloved brethren, that everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When you get all angry, you want to choose somebody out, don't. It never works. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, which we always have to put off the flesh and put off the old man, put on the new man, it's our constant ongoing battle, in humility, receive the word implanted. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Everybody say, I intend to take action. I'm a doer of the word. Say it boldly. I'm a doer of the word. When the Bible says pray, I pray. Say that. When the Bible says pray, I pray. When the Bible says share the gospel, I share the gospel. Say it. My wife and I waited in line in the cold to get to a brunch that my son told me was a good restaurant, and it was. They had great bacon. We sat over by the singers. They were on the other side of the glass, and they were singing Amy from uh, Pure Prairie League and that kind of, those kinds of hits, you know, which is not necessarily good morning breakfast music, but another table full of young people came, and they sat down, and they ordered champagne and Bloody Marys, which is kind of telling. You know, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. We had just been to this church service and this uh, town hall chapel kind of a deal. Pastor preached a great word, kind of a Baptist group, great word, word-based message. And uh, I was genu- genuinely edified, and I, we were having a good meal. I was enjoying my food, but God was prompting me while I was eating. I was having, while I was having a conversation with my wife, God was having a conversation with me. I looked over, and uh, John and Sandy Haley had been given a box of cards, gospel tracts, say, Jesus is the key, and on the back... It has the Romans road, which is uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 2, uh, 3.23 starts out with Jesus forgives, has a cross. Then it says Romans 5.8, God still loves us. Uh, Romans 6.23, sin earns death in hell. God gives life in heaven. Romans 10.9-10 says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Confess your sins turn from your sins, believe in your heart, and ask Jesus to save you. 
And then John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So at this point, Patsy didn't know. She started, she said, do you feel like you're supposed to witness to those guys? I said, yeah, but I, I, I pulled out the tracks that were in my pocket, and a bunch of them were dog-eared. They were kind of nappy around the edges. I thought, I don't want to give a wrinkled-up track to somebody. It almost looks like I'm, you know, I'm, I don't mean it. So I was ironing it. I was sitting on the, I was sitting on the table ironing it. And I counted, there were two, three couples, three guys, three girls. They were all sitting, obviously they were couples. And they were having a chatty time. They all looked cool and they were young and the guy had his hoodie on. And I mainly keyed into this one guy. He was sitting over there and I just was praying. And I was feeling awkward. I was talking to God, God, I, I don't want to interrupt them. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to be rejected, all that stuff, you know, all the fear, all the garbage. And then I thought, it'd be inappropriate if I didn't give them all a track each. But then, then God gave me a strategy. Well, then Patsy said to me, that guy just said he's going to hell. I said, what? Did you hear it? That guy. I said, which one? The guy with the hoodie. The guy that Jesus had his tractor beam and his target on. So that emboldened me. She didn't realize it. God used her. I didn't even hear him say that. In the, in the conversation, it was all random. You could hear the music, Amy, what you going to do? You know, and all that. And then, but yet she heard this guy say, I'm going to hell. You know, it might have been a joke. It might have been facetious. But that's what she heard. When, when she said that, I got so, okay. I, it emboldened me. I got. And then God gave me a strategy. The one track that didn't look bad out of my pocket that I ironed with my hand. God showed me, get up, put your coat on, gently walk over, don't be intrusive, put it on the table, and slide it over to him. So I put it on the table, I slid it over to him, their conversation stopped, I looked at him, the Lord showed me, don't say a word. I'd handed it to him, he looked up at me, looked at it, looked up at me, said, thank you, brother. And so then I walked away. My wife said, did you see the girls? They were like, they were. So who knows what the backstory was, why he said, I'm going to hell. Was he a backslidden? Was he like a youth pastor that backslid? I don't know. Was he, were they away from God or were they, had they just been talking about the Lord? I don't know. But I'm sure once the live hand grenade was handed on the table, that I had freshly ironed, it was going to rouse some conversation. And by the way, last time I checked, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess eventually that he's the Lord. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's foundational. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Since the foundations cannot be destroyed, and we've re- since we've received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's reaffirm today, having done all to stand, I'm going to dig deep, I'm going to lay a foundation on, on the rock, I'm going to build strong. I'll close with an illustration. My next door neighbor has two horses, an acreage, and a beautiful fence, and a nice home. A creek runs through a part of it, and he decided to build, he and his wife decided to build a barn to let their, their horses uh, have shelter. So he's humane, and, you know, 
and he was out walking his little dog and uh, he uh, I told him hey I'm, you got an honorable mention in one of my sermons really I said yeah you you know you've been building that barn and they've spent so much time on that foundation um, and I've been teaching on foundational things he goes well they're, they're, you know, it's like the great resignation. They're having a hard, the companies are having a hard time finding build, builders and workers. So that's why it's so slow. Well, we don't know why some things are slow in our lives. Why it takes so much time to go from the 80 to 100%. But we're going to trust God, right? Because faithful is he who calls us. He'll also bring it to pass. He is the author of the finisher of our faith. And by the way, last time I checked, this is for a lifetime. We're in this for the long haul. How many of you are in this for the long haul? You have no intention of just being abbreviated. You want to go the distance. You're eternal and you're created for good works. God has his hand on your life. Our church is coming into its finest hour. The best moments are ahead for us. St. Louis Family Church, this body of believers has responsibility up ahead. You as individuals, God help me to overcome that invisible barrier of fear, feeling like a dork, having to fix the dog-eared track, getting a strategy on how to interact with people without being too heavy-handed. And God nailed it. God is always so wise. He always has such plans. So don't move the ancient boundaries which the fathers have set. Stay within the basic essentials. Be in love with the Word of God. Be devoted to prayer. Be merciful and forgiving. Don't get, let your thought life get all weird. Don't take on a hybrid. Uh, be careful what you listen to. I, I'm praying and preaching so that you'll be fortified, so you will not be tricked by winds of doctrine, trickery of men, cunning craftiness, or deceitful scheming. The devil is a deceiver. He's quite skilled at what he does. He's been a devil a lot longer than you've been a human. He's more familiar with the Bible than you and I are. That's why we got to read the Bible. Hey, look. If Eric Clapton has to keep practicing, don't you think it's good we had a message like this today? So now my neighbor's finally got his bar under roof. But I know the foundation, because I watched the foundation. I would wave. I became like, hey, waving to the guys building the foundation. I watched when they dug it with the, uh, the, the backhoe. I watched them when they put the gravel down. I watched when they brought the concrete truck in. I mean, it's been a long, it's been a half a year at this point. But good things take time. Put your hand on your heart. Say, it's a good thing to walk with Jesus. It's a good thing to stay in faith. My life is built upon the rock. Jesus, my Lord and Savior, means everything to me. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of God. He sent his Holy Spirit to equip and strengthen me, to guide me along life's journey. My steps are ordered by the Lord. He keeps me in perfect peace as I keep my mind on him. My mind is renewed. My eyes are trained. I turn my feet from every evil way that I may keep his word.